Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. Then you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and get started now. Welcome back to another episode of On the Break. Tonight, we are continuing our tour with the, of the NBA with the Central Division, featuring the Believe in the 40-Year Rebuild Land Cleveland Cavaliers. The Chicago, we're so effing lame, we can't, Josh can't even think of a, anything to make fun of us for. Uh, Bulls, the Detroit marketing team tried to get Blake to jump over a Ford truck, but Blake can't jump anymore, and Ford can't afford to donate a truck. Pistons. The Indiana... We picked up Doug McDermott because he reminds us of Larry Bird, but only in skin tone, Pacers. In Milwaukee, I don't even care. Sign Giannis' mother to a two-way contract if it means keeping him here in free agency. Bucks. I'm Josh, the Vanilla Gorilla, here with Kyle West. What's up, man? What up, man? How's it going? Glad to, uh, glad to be back, man. Excited for this uh, Central Division. I know uh, this is probably one you've been waiting for so you can man crush on Giannis for a little bit. That's really the only reason why I'm excited about it. If you want to just do an hour of just Giannis talk, I'm down for that. We got to do some Thanos talk as well. Thanos, yeah, Thanos. Thanos, I don't know who he is, dude. I so I follow their, uh, I follow their Facebook, and all they do is talk about the Antetokounmpo brothers. There, the Bucks uh, Facebook was going for Greece over USA last uh, during the FIBA championship. Dude, they're so all funny. in, man. That's yeah. what you got to do as a small market team to keep those superstars around. Is you got to just basically betray your country and go all in. Yeah. He's got seven brothers, dude. You could build it. You could legitimately build a team. Don't and they all end with like NIS, like NNIS, just like dude, they're all, yeah, they're all bizarre. I think one of them plays for the Mavs, right? Costas. I yes, think plays that's for the right. Mavs. I thought I was assuming, I know one of his brothers played for the Mavs. I thought that was the one that joined him. I didn't realize there was, there was three Antetokounmpo's in the NBA. I, no, I think, I think there might even be four, but Thanasis, and Giannis play for the Bucks. Costas plays for Milwaukee, and I'm pretty positive there's another one somewhere. He might Excellent. be, but Thanasis has, and Costas, I believe, both have two-way contracts. So they're actually playing overseas, but can be pulled at any time. Right, right. Well, we'll get to the Bucks. Obviously, we're going to keep this in the same order for you guys and, you know, go. Alexis and Francis are the other two. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. there we go. Um, so, yeah, fine. we're going to go from the, the you know, team with the lowest expectations to the team with the highest expectations um before we jump into the uh the cleveland Cavs, though a couple of interesting things kyrie irving had to say in the news this week josh you've uh you've shared a few of those articles with me i mean what are your overall thoughts around kind of kyrie and the uh the swag that he's taken into this season and you know how he's trying to i guess do a little self-reflection through the media it sounds like yeah so we need to we need to be able to put these on the um on the show because I can't wax poetic for four minutes. Like, like Kyrie can, right? He just, whenever he's talking to me, he just sounds so intelligent and so well put together. And he just does a great job that I, I, so Justin didn't like it. He felt like, and a lot of people didn't like it. They felt like, uh, like he was essentially like came out, out and he said, yeah, like a cop out. He came out and he said, you know, my grandfather passed away last year and I had, it was, I didn't get to speak with him um, before he passed away. I didn't get to spend much time with him before he passed away. And I got jaded and cynical towards basketball and towards everything that was happening around with me, around me because I missed out on the opportunity to be with my grandfather. Um, 
And he said that he wishes that he could go back on that. Um, I took that as not necessarily a cop out, but rather, I don't know. You live and you learn, right? At the end of the day, how old Kyrie's younger than me, right? Yeah, 26, 27. 26, 27 year old kid. Um, I know I've made a lot of mistakes at 26 and 27. And I, I, I'm a much bigger believer in that. And dude, I love Russ, but I'm a much bigger believer in that and coming and waxing poetic and kind of letting, letting the fans who care about you um, into you as a person rather than Russ saying, coming out and saying, Oh yeah. Ex-, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I agree with that to an extent. I don't necessarily think it was a cop out, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan of him doing this to the media and making it seem like, you know, I understand he's just trying to shed light on what he was going through and have you understand what, you know, where he's coming from, put him, put yourself in his shoes. But at the end of the day, man, a lot of NBA players are going through a lot more than that. And, you know, they just keep, they just keep their mouth shut and keep their head down. And I mean, there are different guys, different personalities in this league. And, you know, that's part of what makes it great, but these are some behaviors that have been pretty consistent with Kyrie over the last five years that I think, you know, or a strong inclination that he's probably not the alpha or, or a great leader of men, at least at this level for the, for this league. I think he's a terrific player. I mean, he's been pretty pretty cocky about what he thinks he's going to do this year um, yeah. and some of his quotes as well. And he's always a little encrypted, though. Like, you know, the way he, the way he speaks, as you said, it's always, um, you know, you have to dissect it a little bit. But it's clear that he's really high on himself coming into the season, which he should be. I mean, he's, he's a top 12 player, but... I don't know, man. I'm just not sold on his leadership qualities. And, you know, maybe KD can be that guy. I think that the jury's still out on that a little bit, even for a 30, 31-year-old player. But he's not going to be there this year. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he gels with this team that he's getting inserted to with less talent than the team he was inserted to last year. Yeah, I, I don't think that – I don't think that Kyrie's a good leader. Like, let me be clear. Let me put myself on the record in regards to that. I think it's proven sure. that he's not a good leader. But you're I okay with what he said in the article because he's just letting you know what was going on and, you know, showing that he's human and what he was going through. Yeah, I, I've seen people get on stage and make cop-outs before. Um, that didn't feel like a cop-out to me. To me, it yeah, felt like he was being yeah. real. That's fair. Um, but um, I, I don't think that that team – dude, DeAndre Jordan's not really a leader either. Like – um, I, I, I think that that team is going to have some identity issues moving forward. Um, the only, the only real thing is that I can, I can think could happen would be to just have three, the three best friends that anybody could have, you know, <laughs> like the, like the hangover movie right. um, play really well together and just kind of gel like that's because none of those guys are leaders. And I think that really anytime that you have a, some, a team that is competing against other teams, specifically going for the same goal and specifically every time you step onto the court you're either winning or you're losing and you're playing 50 50 against another team i think that there has to be real leadership and somebody that gels the entire team and i don't think that that team has it i agree 100 percent. i mean i think that's going to be a huge issue for them this season and while i'm not as optimistic about their win total as a lot of people are and as vegas is um where do you think do you think Kyrie? i said he's a top 12 player you think that's fair you think he still is in that range or i think espn had him at ranked at number 11 
okay. if I recall correctly. And ESPN, dude, they had a lot. We should actually take a show to dissect that because that list was. Is that the one that had Zion at 42 and Clay 42. at 49? Clay at 49. Which I have way more of an issue of Clay being 49 than Zion being 42. I think you probably think that's a little high for Zion considering he hasn't played a game. I mean, it's he, he's going to settle probably in that range by the end of the season for sure, if not higher. But Clay is absolutely not the 49th best player in the NBA. I understand if you want to factor the injury into that and you're saying maybe moving forwards or if you're starting a franchise, he's still higher than that. Yeah, so it's – I had issues with um, – not that – so I can – I could if you could make me an argument for Zom being 42, sit in front of me and make me an argument for Zom being 42, I, I could understand it. But they have him ranked higher than DeMar DeRozan. Zom's never played a flipping NBA game. They haven't ranked higher than DeMar DeRozan. They haven't ranked higher than Miles Turner. They haven't ranked higher than Kevin Love. Um, I'm okay with the last two. I'm not okay with him being higher than DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Um, so to, to put it into perspective, LaMarcus Aldridge is 41. And Vucevic, who just all-starred last year, is 40. So that's, Kyle Lowry is 39. Wild. That's wild. He's – yeah, it's like – just go through this list. Chris Middleton's 36. This This – They've got Jason Tatum ahead of Chris Middleton right now. This this is just I don't know who wrote this article. They've got Kristaps Porzingis at thirty four. Like th- this article is horrible, dude. What do you think about Harden? Horrendous at four, being over eighty at five, Curry at six. Dude, honestly, I don't have I don't have a problem with it. I'm surprised that the way that ESPN and we talk about this, we talked about it more previously, but ESPN is built on sensationalism. James Harden is a sensational player. Like Zion, regardless of what holes I may see of him coming into the into the season, he is a sensational player, and that's why he's being overhyped by ESPN constantly. And that's why that's where my my issue with him is. Right, James Harden to me is more sensational than Anthony Davis because he's been on a winning team and he's been in the spotlight. Um, I'm surprised that they don't have James Harden higher just based upon sensationalism. Right, Um, this dude like. This dude is the best offensive player we've seen, maybe since Wilt, Jordan, mm. Kobe. I'd put him in. I'd put him in. I those. still think Katie's a better offensive player. He's, he's so never, much more efficient. He's never. He's never performed the way that James Harden has. He's never scored thirty-five points in a game or uh, in a season, but he scored thirty-one at a higher percentage. I don't know. I think Katie. If if you you're saying go get me a bucket, I need one bucket. Like Katie's your guy over Harden to me. Healthy Katie, yeah. I guess. One Kinda thing I Katie. will. Yeah, one thing I will say is, so I think he averaged 37 last year, um, Harden. Yeah, 36, 37. He, he shot 850 free throws. The next highest guard shot about 450. So that's – The ability that's, to – yeah, I guess I, you got to factor that in. But I still, I'm still taking KD over Harden. Yeah, sure. And I don't know necessarily whether, whether you take that figure that he doubled any other guard – almost damn near doubled any other guard's free throw rate. Um, I don't know if you take that and say this guy's getting calls that other people aren't getting, or if you say that he's just that much better at drawing fouls. It's hard to say that he's twice as good at drawing fouls as Steph Curry. You know, he would be he would be way better. He would be like three times better at drawing fouls than Steph Curry if you just look at the numbers because Curry doesn't get calls for some reason. That's true. To be fair, if Curry did get calls, it would be impossible. You couldn't guard him. Exactly. I think that's part of it. Uh, Last, I don't want to spend too much time on this list, but. The last two that I just want to say that I think are grossly overrated. We already talked about a huge snub on Clay. I don't think at thir- uh, 13 and 14, you got CJ McCollum and Ruby Go- Rudy Gobert. I disagree with that at 13 and 14. 
Luca's below them, Kemba's below them, Cat's below them, Bradley Beal's below them. I think all four of those guys are better players. I'm then, not as high on CJ McCollum as as this list is certainly, okay. but so Gobert yeah, at, at 14 is is just crazy to me. You think he should he be score. lower? Yeah, he can't score. Yeah, um, it's it's hard for because he is he is one dimensional, but it just happens to be he's the best defensive player in the league. You know, so the best defensive big man in the league. Is um, he the best player on his team? No. Well, he's ranked higher than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I, I would say that. In a, I don't in know. I, where, I guess I just think that's a little bit of. I think he's a great player. I just to have you think so. I mean, you got. I'm Gobert. surprised that you're not m- m- more mad about the guy that's right behind him, Ben Simmons. Well, I was about to say team. you got Gobert and then. Simmons, Luca, Kimba, Cat, following that up. Like I think those guys are all better players, for sure. Yeah, because they, they all do multiple things well. I guess Kimba doesn't really, but yeah, I would. I'd probably take if you gave me one pick. If it was fantasy draft, not based upon stats, but building a building a franchise team, I would take. I would take Gobert over Kimba. I think. Right, but you want to take him over Luca, Ben Simmons, or Cat? I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Um, but. I don't know. CJ McCollum at 13. CJ McCollum over Bradley Beal. That seems a little crazy to me. Yeah. McCollum's pretty high. Uh, that's Russ's 12. I would not put McCollum over Gobert. I wouldn't put him over Ben Simmons. I wouldn't put him over Doncic or Cat. Yeah. That's pretty high for me. Yeah. But enough, enough of that list. One thing we can guarantee is there are no Cleveland Cavaliers on this list. And, uh, that's the first team we're going to dive into here in the Central Division. Uh, obviously, a team that I think you just quoted them being in a 40-year rebuild is what they're going for. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's on the short end. <laughs> to be honest with you, the draft picks that they picked up this year, I really like Darius Garland. I could see him being a absolute steal. Um, I could I could honestly see him coming out and winning rookie of the year. I like him too. And he, he, I mean, he was a guy that was like a mid-first rounder that, you know, as soon as people really started studying his tape, he flew up the draft board. You know, and got into everyone's top five. Chad Ford was raving about this guy. So he kind of came on the scenes late. I, I think he was a two or three year player, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at, I want to say Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm, Vanderbilt. Yeah. So sometimes I have a little bit of concern with guys that play two or three years. It's right. good because they're like more polished and more developed when they come in, but there's a reason they played that many years is because they weren't NBA ready. So it's like, you never know where the ceiling is on these guys, but I do like I do like the Garland pick. It's going to be interesting him being paired with Colin Sexton, though, don't you think? I mean, that's a couple of six two guys that kind of present some challenges. Right. It's two. You drafted point guards in back to back years. True point guards. These aren't like like hybrid point guards. You know, these are two tr- true point guards that you drafted in back to back years, and their styles are so different. Sexton is a Russell Westbrook like run at the rim. Uh, just charge full steam. Darius Garland, actually, if you gave me any player in last year's draft and said, I want you to pick the prototype new NBA player that's built for this year's, this this league, it would either be him or Cam Reddish for me. Like, right. regardless he's, of how good they are, who's the prototype? Garland can shoot. He's got a little bit of a floater and he's got handles. I mean, he, he I don't know what his defense is like. I haven't watched enough tape there, but he definitely, you know, fits the mold for a, prototype NBA point guard moving forwards. Sexton, I think they're going to be comfortable moving him to two guard, though. I mean, he's certainly a point in size, and they drafted him to play point. Dude averaged 17 points and three assists, though, last year. That that tells you he's on trajectory to be a scoring score-first guard. Yeah. he, um, Yeah, Darius is 
I would say he's Trey Young without the passing. Okay. Eh. Maybe a little bit less range. So don't um, you have some concerns about this team defensively then with Kevin Love and CD Osman being out there? I mean, they have more they have more than just defensive concerns, right? <laughs> like regardless of who's gonna score for you. Like I get that you have you just drafted two scores back to back, but they're rookies. They're a rookie and a sophomore, you know. You can't roll out two one and two year guys that aren't um DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic and say say we're going to compete right so and that's the reason why Vegas has them at 24 wins they're the lowest win total with the Hornets wow for a reason I mean yeah dude Tristan Thompson being your starting five in today's NBA is just atrocious I mean he literally can't we talked about Gobert he literally cannot get a bucket from within four feet yeah it's just pathetic you know Kevin Love still a good player to me I think still an undervalued or underappreciated player he was on that list, actually. I think he was thirty. He was in the thirties. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe not then, because that's actually probably. I mean, he so he's over Clay, just to, just to confirm. Yeah, dude, he that's was over Clay. Wild. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't understand. He can still come in and hit an open shot. He's still a good defensive rebounder for the most part, even without having to jump. Great outlet passer, but such a defensive liability. I mean, you look at this roster. He's your best player. You know, that's it's just sad, man. You got Jordan Clarkson. All he can do is score. Brandon Knight, I mean, what a fall from grace he's had. I mean, there's a lot of hype co- for him coming into the league. It was. And uh, your boy co- comes full circle. Your boy Della Vadova back on a contract in, in the land. Yep, that's exactly right. He's, LeBron's uh, not there to get him paid. <laughs> that was a uh, thanks for what you did in Garden Steph Curry for us. Um, geez, they have Bogdanovich over Clay Thompson and John Collins. I'm, I'm, I need to stop looking at this. John Collins, that's insanity. Aaron Gordon, too. Would you take uh, – dude, I'm the biggest Aaron Gordon fan there is. Like, my Wi-Fi password is his Twitter handle, right? But um, <laughs> I would take Aaron him over Clay over Thompson. John, I would take Aaron, Jordan, Aaron Gordon over John Collins. What about Obviously, Clay Thompson? Clay over either. Yeah. yeah that, dude, are they just factoring it in the injury that much? I, I really need to leave this alone. But it's like even with an ACL torn, Clay – I'm still taking Clay over John Collins with dude, one honest, leg. Honestly, bashing ESPN's list is more in- interesting to me than anything that the Cavaliers can throw out on the court this year, right? <laughs> That's um, fair. I, I, they don't even talk about his hurt. They don't even talk about the fact that he's hurt. Are these based upon – these aren't even based upon projected uh, wins. Um, so they have RPM, which is an advanced statistic, um, and they have projected wins. Clay's at 1.2. Guy that's above him, Bojan Bet- or how Bogdanovich has negative 0.3 wins <laughs> projected top 50 player. Yeah. Top 50 player going to lose more games rolling him out than you would with just an average player. It's absolutely yeah. insane, man. So, I mean, the Cavs, that's such a low number, right? Like 24. So that would make them what 24 and 58. This is going to be, yeah, this is, I would honestly take an under here. I think I got to go under here. I'm with you because I, I would be surprised the game- if they hit 20s, honestly. Yeah, so I I think the game plan for them is the same as we kind of discussed with Phoenix and Memphis, which is Tank City. Yeah. But theirs is going to be even less intentional than either of those teams because Memphis and Phoenix both have great young or very good young players. Cleveland does not. Yeah, yeah, you can you can have. We don't think so. Cleveland has two project players, like right. project multi year builds, like Memphis and Arizona or Phoenix. Excuse me, Memphis and Phoenix both have two teams that could easily have a player that that uh 10-time all-star yeah 10-time all-star but i would say even even just this year 
I wouldn't say all NBA or all-star, but you could have a player that's in the fighting for all-star, both of them. Like DeAndre Ayton could fight for an all-star. Devin Booker could fight for an all-star. Triple J, dude, he could be on an all-NBA all defensive team yep. next year. So Nobody on these Cavs teams is getting any awards. I think right. it's almost guaranteed. Darius Garland will win a all-rookie team, but that's about it. Yeah, and we really should go into this more at, at some time about LeBron leaving them. I don't have a problem with it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a LeBron fan, but it really left this franchise in a bad, bad place. I mean, you just look at you look at their ability to attract free agents is essentially nothing compared to some of these other landing spots, and you don't really have those. Hey, come join this. We're building this type of situation with like you have uh, on the Mavericks or the Celtics, where you have a lot of really good young players that develop quickly. There's no way they're going to be able to attract a free agent. I don't have any faith in them hitting on their draft picks, quite frankly, because they just took two six two guys back to back years. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Also, they drafted Anthony Bennett number one overall. That is the worst number one in the last yeah fifteen years. Yeah, that was I. I can't think of a worse one, um, dude. I I don't have a problem with LeBron leaving them because it'd be like okay, let's say you're brand new in to college. Uh, Heidi Klum comes to your college and starts dating you. She leaves you for another guy. She comes back to you and then leaves again. At, at some point, you got to go, okay, yeah, that, that's probably out of my league. I pulled a little bit out of my league there. Right, and I had some right. good times, right? Like, I, I expect her to leave me. Um, Cleveland shouldn't have a problem with what LeBron did because he won them their first championship. And not just the team, not just the Cavs, but the entire city over a period of 40 years. Correct. Dude, they went through 52. Jordan demolishing them. They went through – how many – was it 52 years? 52 years, correct. Sweet Lord, dude. Yeah, like, like that city should be – they should hand the keys to LeBron. He should be mayor of that city. He did more for that city than anybody in the history of Cleveland has ever done for that city. Yes. They can't be mad at him for leaving. Agreed. And even though he's living in L.A. now, he's still doing a lot for that city. Um, right. That being said, I think we're both way under this, man. I just don't I don't see them getting – yeah, you said 20 wins. I think that's a stretch too. It's going to be a team that's really – you know what? You have nothing to lose. Teams. Yeah, they're going to be in the teams. Just roll Garland and Sexton out there and let them figure their NBA game out uh, because you really don't have anything to build around. You, here's here's what you need to do. You need to increase the drafts or the stock of both Garland and Colin Sexton this year and deal Package one of them. those guys, yeah. Deal or one deal, of them. You need to figure out which one's the future, increase the draft stock of both of them, and then deal one. I actually oddly feel better about Garland, and I was really high on Colin Sexton. Me too, but I, I like Garland too. Like, I think – He's a last little too year, erratic Sexton, that is. Yeah. Last year was kind of the nail in the coffin for me as far as – and it, a lot of it was watching Russell Westbrook just get demolished by Damian Lillard in the playoffs. It was the nail in the coffin for me of there's no such thing as a slashing point guard. It's going to be it's gonna be a superstar. I know, but I can't help but falling in love with slashing point guards. I know. Dude, I love it because that's what we grew up on. It's just not know? successful anymore. We, we grew up on AI. We grew up on uh, Russell Westbrook. D-Rose. You know. John Wall, D Rose. That's what we grew up on, and that's why we want to see that. But it's just not. It's not. It's not efficient. It's right. not efficient. Is probably the better word anymore. That's right. So, yeah, they're going to be uh, in the bottom of the the bottom of the uh, Eastern Conference, right. which is the bottom of the league. And uh, I just, I really, part of me still cares about that Cleveland team. Oddly, like I don't watch the games. I wouldn't put myself through that. But yeah. you know, I was just because I'm such a LeBron fan. I've Grew pretty pretty fond of that team, so I kind of actually am rooting for them uh, with very very little faith. 
Uh, I watched a tra- couple of League Pass games for sure. Like, I, I mean, wanna yeah. see, you want to see what Colin Sexton looks like, and you want to see what uh, Darius Garland looks like, honestly. Or if you want to watch, like, it's a fun League Pass team like the Kings play, and they're playing the Cavs, it's like, well, these guys are ba- barely playing NBA players. They're going to look really good. This will be interesting. This will be fun. I might watch Del Vadova try to guard Curry for 48 minutes again. <laughs> Dude, I would love to see him just get six fouls in, like, eight minutes. That would be perfect. <laughs> um, staying here in the Midwest, though, uh, I like all these basketball towns a lot, too. Uh, going to Chicago for the Bulls. They're at 30, a little bit higher than last year. They were at 21 and a half last year. So certainly Vegas feels like this roster's improved. I think I agree with that. What's your thoughts? Um, this is, I mean, they're suffering from the same symptoms as the Cavs, except for they have more talent, right? So eventually in today's day and age, you get into tank fest, but who's more talented out of the teams that are trying to tank? Right. right? So uh, this team has some, like Zach Levine can drop 30 on you. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, I so. mean, your boy Markin, I mean, I didn't realize he went 19 and nine last year. I mean, we, we were both really high on him in Arizona. But dude, he could turn into Porzingis, honestly. Yeah. I they were, so. they did the stupid thing where they were comparing him to Dirk whenever he came out because he's a big white guy that no. could shoot. But no, Porzingis is the, is the obvious comparison here. Um, great pick and pop player, great pick and roll player, can protect the rim. He doesn't have, he's not quite as big as Porzingis. He's a true seven footer. Porzingis is probably like seven three or so. Yep. But if you want to watch a mini zinger, then go watch Markkinen. Pretty much the exact same player. Yeah, and he's he's, he's more athletic than Dirk as Porzingis is. Yeah, he is a better rebounder, but he he's more athletic than Dirk was uh, as Porzingis is, and I think that's a huge part of making the comparison to KP rather than Dirk is they just have different style of games, and sure, it's more complementary to this era. I think Wendell Carter Jr., even though he only had ten points last year. Uh, showed some decent signs. He's just got to be more disciplined um, and get his back to the basket game developed a little bit more. He has like one little post move um, where he can go to the left shoulder, which is decent, but he's got to just throw in a little bit more. He can run the floor pretty decently for being a, I don't know what he weighs. That's a big boy, man. I feel like he's like 260, 270 and uh, yeah, 255. And, yeah. you know, he's he has pretty center. good defense. He has pretty good defense too. And he is a true center. But his feet are good enough, and he's young enough right now to where he can still not be a complete liability on switch. He's not great at it, uh, but that's something he can develop. I think if he develops his uh, pick-and-roll defense and just maybe one or two more post moves, he can be a you know really good starting center in this league. I don't know about an all-star. I, I'm, I'm very high on him. If Jaron Jackson and uh, um, Marvin Baddeley had an illegitimate love child and then dropped him off somewhere and forgot about him, he'd be Wendell <laughs> Carter Jr. Like right. He's – He's the mixture of – he's not as good defensively as Jaron Jackson, but he has that defensive prowess. He's not as good as offensively as Marvin Backley Jr., but he has that offensive prowess, and he's 20 pounds heavier than both of them, right? Yes. So he's um, – I honestly don't think you could go wrong with any any one of those three guys, um, and I'm, I, th- I would put him in the, in the category of those other two guys in regards to how good he could be. I would put him as he could be a potential all-star. For um, sure. He, he won't ever be as valued as either of those guys because when people watch the game, they tr- tend to pick out people. They tend to pick out greatness. They don't tend to pick pick out mediocrity or goodness, right? So if you see somebody do something really well everywhere in their game, it's not as attractive as somebody that does something specifically great. Sounds right? like a, this sounds like a Zion take here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could be. I'm going into my Kyrie waxing poetic mode, but um, Carter's just going to do everything well. In his career, he could be good at literally everything. 
but he, I don't see him ever being great at one thing. I agree. And I always love players that are good at everything and they, they absolutely get slept on. Yeah. Um, that I was what realize, was, go ahead, go ahead. That was what was so special about LeBron is that he's great and exceptional at everything. There's nothing that he's not great at, you know? Right. So, and that's just so rare, but no, I agree. And I, I was going to say, I didn't realize Zach Levine averaged 24 points a game last year. That's a lot higher than I thought it was. That had to be top 10 or 15 in the league. Yeah, he can score. Um, now, his usage rate was high and his efficiency wasn't great. As it probably but, will be this year. Right, right. But ultimately, you you have to do that whenever you have one player that can pseudo score on a team that can't score. Otto Porter is going to take some take some pressure off of him because ultimately he's going to be their number one ball handler. And if you put him and Markin in a pick and roll or a pick and pop, it could be good, especially if you have Otto Porter sitting in the corner waiting to shoot a three. So That's exactly right. I was getting ready to transition to Otto Porter. I think he can be, you know, I, there's a lot of mixed feelings on him in the league. A lot of guys hate on him. A lot of guys are big fans of him. I think he's a pretty good player. I think he can be the fourth or fifth best player uh, on a championship roster. I'm not saying this Bulls team is anywhere right. near that, but I'm just saying in general, like he could be that fourth option for sure on a, on a championship team. Anytime that you have a guy that's a positive on defense that can knock down a three, like that's good. Yeah. He, and that's he, what he he's, is. He's an above average shooter and above average defender. He's pretty long, got a good wingspan. And he's actually a guy that can also go for 25 or 30 in any given night. Yeah. Some nights he's only going to get 10, though. That's the issue. Right. Exactly. So he averaged 14 points per game last year. Um, that's about his wheelhouse. But you're exactly right in that if you get if you get players or teams that jam down on the roll for marking in a whole bunch and he makes that pass out the Porter Porter get four or five threes and that's 20 points right there. Right. Or actually, True. excuse me. That's like 12 to 15 points. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I like the Kobe white pick too. Uh, it's a guy I watched play at North Carolina, a decent amount. Uh, had some really nice passes in that opening game in the tournament. Um, I'm really high on him. I, I was telling you before the show, I thought he was like 6'6". I was so impressed by how fluid he moved for a 6'6 point guard. He's like 6'3 and a half. It's just the hair makes him look taller. But he is a true point guard that's going to have to learn how to shoot and learn how to score a little bit better to you know, be a really viable starter in this league. But they have him coming off the bench, according to the uh, real GM. Uh, they have uh, Sadoransky from Washington. Yeah, well, I've seen play a that little was part bit of that Bobby Portis trade. Correct. Portis. I don't I don't know. Maybe they're going to start the year with him, you know, starting as the point guard and Kobe White comes off the bench. I have no problem with that. That's how probably how it should be rookie season, yeah. um, or at least for the first 20 to 30 games. But Kobe White's going to end up being the starting point guard on this team. I'm almost certain of that. I really think he has a, uh, a high IQ, but an athletic body and frame as well. Not a long arm guy, but a good explosive athlete. And you got Chris Dunn as your third guard behind Levine. I, I actually think he's a decent player as well. So, you know, this is a team I think can flirt with their going over here. Uh, Vegas has them at 30. What are you thinking? There's yeah. Um, I would say. Have them at 30 and a half. So what Vegas has, um, I'm going to go, you're going 30, over 30 and a half. Yeah. I'm going over that number. Okay. I'm going to go under, I'll, I'll take your opposite. Uh, bet here something to be aware of with Otto Porter is in Washington last year shot 37% from the three-point line moved over to Chicago and this is a span of 15 games so it's not a super small span but he shot 49% from the three-point line wow yeah so big big jump and a lot of that's from marketing client clogging the lane and also marketing spreads it out too because yeah I was about to say nine nine three as well they got some guys that can spread the floor um yeah you know I think 
this team certainly has a lot more upside than the Cavs. That being said, they're still, what, probably two good draft picks or a good draft pick and a free agent landing away. They don't have a superstar. Correct. They have a lot of really, really good players, though. Yeah, and so if you can – today's day and age, you have to have not just a superstar. You have to have a spectacular all-time great to be able to win with not another superstar near him. You have to – I mean, Harden couldn't do it, right? Like, no one's won. No one's won without another all-time great with you besides LeBron. If you put Kawhi on this team, do they win the championship? No way. Not a chance. This isn't as good as the Toronto Raptors. And Toronto struggled. They had to take – the Sixers took them to seven last year, and the Sixers are better this year. Yep. I I agree completely. I think a lot of people think that you can just insert players. Like, I was doing that just to prove a point, that you can insert Kawhi or LeBron or Giannis here, and that that makes them a championship contender. And it just doesn't in today's NBA. People Uh, will – yeah, people will say – People will talk about these superstars that are plug-and-play. There's really no such thing as a plug-and-play superstar. Um, you can plug in – like, because could you plug-and-play Kawhi Leonard beside LeBron James? Probably not. They're both really ball-dominant. Like, Kawhi gets his gets his shots off of uh, – whenever he was with the Spurs, he got his shots differently. But last year, he was an ISO guy, right? Yep. Um, could you plug-and-play LeBron James and Paul George? No, you're probably going to make Paul George a little bit worse. Yeah, I um, think – LeBron is paired with the best superstar for him to be paired with. That's like yeah. the only one that works. But I know but even, what you're trying to say. Like, there's always going to be when you have two transcendent talents, when you have like two top five players, not a top five player and a top 20 player, it usually doesn't work out as the top five and top 20 player. That usually works out better because when you got two top five or top 10 guys, it's like they're generally really ball dominant and it creates issues. Right. So, like, look at. Case in point, look at what Durant did when he went to the Warriors. We just talked about this. I don't even know if we were – did we talk about it before the show or on the show? No, before. The Before the show, what was what was the over-under for the Warriors whenever Durant went there? So that's 68 and a half. 68 and a half. This guy's a plug-and-play player. He's going over to a 73-win team, right? Right. Now they did worse in the regular season. They had to take an entire year to adjust to having this other four, like supernatural force on the court. And they ended up winning the championship and being one of the best teams of all time. But – Teams aren't plug and play. Like even Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James aren't plug and play. In order to make that work, they had to surround them with shooters and they went out and did that, you know, so that they could grab or this, so they could pull people away from the lane and give Anthony Davis more of a lane to work in. So, yeah, um, I, I digress. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, <laughs> I think what I, where we started with that though is Chicago needs to land a free agent. Probably they're not going to be able to just build this through the draft. Most likely, unless they just hit on some talent we're not aware of. That being said, I think they have a much easier. I think they have a much easier job of landing a free agent than the Cleveland Cavaliers do. It's much easier to attract someone to that franchise with that history to okay. that city to that roster than it is to Cleveland, Ohio. I think anytime you walk through a locker room and you see multiple championship. Uh, Larry O'Brien trophies there. It's right. it's attractive. Plus, they have two people on on the roster already that could be perennial superstars. It's a good point. Good point. So we'll, we'll disagree on that one. First, uh, first disagreement we've had actually in six or seven picks here. So I'm glad yeah, to see some some difference there. Uh, transition over to the uh, the Pistons, who are uh, you know really headlined by your boy Blake Griffin, former OU grad. And I really like what Blake did to his game last year, man. Added the uh, 
jump shot, which he's slowly been doing over his career. But there was a point in time at the Clippers when they were supposedly supposed to be peaking and he couldn't hit an elbow jumper. And he actually shot pretty decent from deep last year and from the three. Yeah, he, he did. I mean, can I, since I went to Oklahoma, I was there when Blake Griffin was there. Can I wax poetic for with Blake for just a little bit here? The floor is yours. He's one of my favorite, favorite college players of all time. Like I was there for his, whenever we went to the sweet 16 and we or the elite eight and we lost to Tyler Hansbro against us UNC. That was my freshman year, right? Just out effort. You just got beat by scrappy hands, bro. That's exactly right. Too much hustle. Hansbro was one of the greatest NCAA players of all time. People forget that. But um, there were times where I remember I was at one game in particular at home. We were playing some no-name team. I can't even remember who it was. It was like smaller than St. John's. It wasn't even a basketball school. And somebody literally grabbed Blake Griffin's arm turned around and pulled him over his back like and did a jujitsu. I remember that. You remember that? Threw him onto the ground and Blake stood up and walked away. Didn't even look at the guy, just walked away. And that was the Blake that I fell in love with at OU. And he was like that his first two years at the Clippers. And then Chris Paul showed up and took him into his Satan coven. And Blake (laughs) Griffin turned into the type of player where he lays on the floor after he gets quote-unquote fouled and tries to wrap up your feet with his feet so that he can get you to react. And he turned into the type of player that was cheap. And Yeah, Chris Paul taught him how to be a dirty NBA player, and look where that got him. Neither of those boys have sniffed a title. Exactly. And now he went to Detroit. He had a good year, and then he played on one leg and played his ass off for a Pistons team that was an eighth seed that didn't matter. And it made me fall in love with Blake again. Like I saw. I love Blake so much. I've always loved Blake. I saw glimpses of that OU Blake in Detroit last year in the playoffs. And the guy that cared about only winning, didn't care about anything else. He just wanted to win. He just wanted to be a good teammate. I saw glimpses of that last year. So I'm all on board. I love Detroit Pistons, Blake. I did too, man. And I think, I think the Clippers did him wrong. So I didn't have any problem with the way that that, that relationship ended on his end um, or the way he handled it. He's still a guy that I think has a lot in the tank. You know, he's been plagued by injuries his whole career and mostly lower extremity because of the amount of pressure he put on him in a, you know, in his early years and at OU and he's a big guy, but he's kind of changed his game to where it needs to be still relatively athletic. Uh, just not what he once was. Like I said, developing this mid mid range shot, he can still dunk when he needs to. He's still a fantastic rebounder. His defense is Okay. But it, his ball handling has always been the most underrated thing to me. Is like for a six ten troop power forward to me, he can really handle the ball. Uh, all this being said, the Achilles heel of this Pistons team is that it was built to play in nineteen ninety seven. I mean, you right. have Derrick Rose as a slasher as one of your guards, Reggie Jackson, who I've just criticized over and over on here. I mean, he's an okay player, but he's he's a ninety style player. You got Blake Griffin. Yeah, Luke Kennard out there shooting from three, and then Andre Drummond, who is the most 90s player of anybody in the league right now, who would have been a 20 and 20 guy, uh, you know, if he just came in with Shaq in, in that era. And this team is just not designed to win in today's NBA, which is why I have an issue with them, even though I like a lot of their players. I love D Rose, I love Blake Griffin. Yeah, with Derrick Rose and Blake, I mean, they're really poised to give the 2008 Cavs a run for their money in the Eastern Conference, you know. So <laughs> this, this, this team's about 10 years too late on on where the primes are. But I I we saw flashes of – Derrick Rose had a 50-point game last year. Correct. You know, so we saw flashes of the old Rose, and we saw flashes of the original Blake last yes. year, both of them. So I, I really – I want to say over on this team. I really do. There's questions on 
both Blake and Derrick Rose's health, obviously, right? Um, That's my biggest issue. Otherwise, I would go over. Right. I'm going to go with my heart here because I want it to happen, and they're probably going to be my darling of who I really cheer for and the team that crushes my hopes. I'm going to go over, and I'm going to go with 40 wins here for the Pistons. I'm going to say, I'm going to say they're going to get a 60. Wow. That's, that's pretty high expectations, but I don't think it's crazy. Um, you need it. Look, you need a team. Fair, I think it's wrong, but I'm still going to go with my heart there and, and say 40, 40 or six, seven seed. I respect the balls there. And I mean, you know, to go along with your Oklahoma Sooners football, your Arizona Wildcats and NCAA basketball, you need somebody to let you down. So I'm glad you found that team. In the okay. Pistons. Yeah. Okay. So he wasn't going to do it this year. So I figured I'd. Yeah. The expectations are one. too low. You need something where expectations are reasonably high and you're not going to get there. That's, right. that's what you need in your life. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really want this team to be, to be over. I'm going under uh, for, for this simple fact of health. As you mentioned, I don't see these guys staying healthy. I do think what's working for, for you and, and for the over what's working in the favor there is having Wayne Casey as the coach. Yeah, he's a fantastic coach to me. I mean, he's not he's not Pop. He's not Carlisle. Great he's regular boy, Nick coach. Nurse. Yeah, he, he's a good coach. He's a, an above average coach, and he's gonna make make sure that team's fighting till the end. So yeah, I think I'm gonna put him just under at 37. The number's 37 and a half. You got him at 40 wins, which in the East that probably will get you a six or seven. Yeah, yeah. I, there's not behind the top three in the East. Well, actually, that'll good. That'll make us a good transition to the next team here. We're looking at the Pacers. Is that the next team up? Correct. Yes. So Vegas has them at forty-eight and a half, which is pretty high. I wonder if that line has moved, but there's no way that I can really look that up quickly because Vegas hides all their stuff for some reason. No, I mean but, the Bleacher Report thing we had had them at forty-eight. Um, or no, excuse me the uh, the NBA, the ESPN had them at forty-eight. I think Bleacher Report has them at forty-eight and a half. So it's somewhere half, in yeah. that ballpark. That number seems outrageously high to me for some reason. But you look at their roster, it is really good. We'll go over the, the departures and arrivals. But I think a lot of these numbers in the East come down to the fact that you're going to get a beat up on teams that we've already mentioned, like the Bulls and the Cavs and uh, you know some of these other lower-tier Eastern Conference teams. You get to play them three or four times if they're in your Division Four, and that's going to get you a lot of wins. But 49 and 33 seems pretty steep for this team. Yeah, and to be fair, like these Vegas Vegas odds are built off of analytics and statistics. They're not two guys sitting in a podcast going, "Yeah, I'm going over on this yeah, one." I'm think, going, "I think it'll go here." Yeah, exactly. They're built off of they run simulations of thousands of thousands of uh, uh, seasons, and then they come out with, "Okay, the average was this right here. Is this where right. we want to go with everybody?" They are smarter than us. That's how they they're the much smarter than us, and they have more money than us to try and build these things, right? Um, ultimately, dude, this is a defensive team. Like this team is going to have no trouble playing. This is, dude, the league is so good defensively. I was about to say, this is one of the best teams. This is one of the top five best teams in the league defensively. But is it, dude? Jazz, Clippers, uh, Sixers, Bucks. There's four right there that are, that are, all-time defensive teams. Raptors are pretty good defensive teams. Raptors too. are good at defensively too. Could you imagine what it would look like if Bucks or if Jordan came out and saw the Bucks zone and saw Giannis waiting in the freaking paint for him? Yeah, it'd look like a different happened. game, he'd bro. Win six rings. Yeah, he'd win six <laughs> rings, right? <laughs> God dang it. Um, I don't think these teams that we're seeing are 
revolutionary, dude. We have we have four. Those are four all time great defensive teams. It's true. I really well, do. This, I really do like. Five? No, I don't think so. They're really good. I mean, we're both we're both big Bro- Malcolm Brogdon fans. I think that's a big pickup for them. They lost Bogdanovich. They bring in Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's that's a pretty even wash. Would you agree with that? They lost uh, Bogdanovich. And bring in, I mean, it's a plus defensively. Agreed. And I would say that's. A, I would say that's. A, it's not a wash. It's a plus. They got better with that. Okay. I kind of tend to agree with that as well. And then you got Vic coming back off of the uh, – was an ACL injury that he had last year? Uh, it was a leg break, wasn't it? Okay. So was lower it, extremity. I, the, I believe it was – Maybe I'm thinking ACL. Paul George. Yeah, I believe it was – yeah, that was a, a for sure fracture. And it was, a, it was a torn ACL that he's coming off of last year. But, you know, leading up to that There's injury, no timetable on his return right now. Okay. Okay, so he's not ready to go re- regular season. No. I saw that. We'll see if he's ready to go maybe middle oh, of the that's year. What it was. He ruptured a quad in his right knee. Mm, okay, ruptured a quad, which that's a I mean that's in a big right deal. Knee. Ruptured a quad and it moved his right knee. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. That's I would say that that's maybe more so than an ACL. It was it's a bigger deal for Vic than it would be for Steph, right? Right. Cuz Vic's game is based upon being athletic and you when know, they say yeah I was going to say before that injury last year, though, man, he was having a an all star season. He was an all star. He was he was an all star over D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, he was leading the league in steals. I believe he was over twenty points a game, and they were in the third seed. That was what was most impressive, and why I really mm-hmm. felt like he had elevated his game. And hopefully, we can see him back here by All Star break because that happened right at right before All Star break because he got replaced on the team. Yeah. Uh, so that that makes sense of why he's not ready. But that's probably a full year injury. You know, if it's going to be more than a year, I have some questions about, you know, his longevity or his ability to return to the NBA at a high level. But hopefully we can see him back here midway through the season. Dude, yeah, and let's be honest. Like, teams don't use the word rupture unless something exploded. Correct. Like, otherwise, they're going to come out and Terrible. say, uh, yeah, Kevin Durant had a knee sprain. Or, like, Iguodala's leg is completely injured. He's just uh, kind of feeling tingles right now. You know, like, right. do that. So rupture, rupture is how the rupture ex- means thing blew up in there. Correct. That's how they explained Kobe's Achilles when it basically just disintegrated. Yeah, exactly. And it takes it takes multiple surgeries and and then your body taking a long time. Yep. And they, they got uh they got Jeremy Lamb in there, they got Justin Holiday, some decent, you know, kind of two, three players. Um I love Sabonis. They got him in the uh the deal from OKC, I believe. Isn't that correct? They did. Yeah. That Came was the with, uh Paul with George Oladipo. Yeah, with yep. Oladipo. Um Sabonis is a great defender. He's a great defender, and he he's great shown passer. the ability to open, uh, knock down the open shot as well a little bit last year. You know, fourteen and nine, I like that production from him in that role, um, especially for what they, you know, just got him on top of Vic. I really like that. And then Miles Turner, you know, that's a local uh, DFW kid that I've known about for a long time. Played one year at Texas, and I mean, I think we're to a point where I don't even need to say that anymore. I felt like I used to have to explain who Miles Turner was, but right. I think he came on the scenes a little bit more last year. I mean, the numbers aren't as impressive. I think it's just the eyeball test with him. If you're if you're not watching Miles Turner, he is a poor man's go bear that can shoot. Right, right, right. That's a good way to that's a good way to put it. He's kind of to me like he. I always looked at him as like an ultra poor man's, uh, like early boogie because yeah. he can he can shoot and he can move around and he's a pretty good defensive player. Yeah, he just doesn't weigh three hundred and forty pounds again. Put the ball into your chest, you know. Like, yeah, that's true. That's Boogie, was, Boogie was a freak, dude. And people forget how flipping good he was. Um, dude, average twenty-seven and twelve. You know, but yeah, Miles Turner's 
he's really stepped up his defense at this next level. I, I was a little concerned um, about the hype he was getting coming out of Texas as a defensive player, but you know, he, he really showed to be a great defensive player last year. Um, that being said, 48 and a half, man, we said it, it seems high. They got to go 49 and 33 here to beat that. I think I'm going to have to go under. And if Vic was a hundred percent ready to go starting the season, I really would still be pretty close. If he never had the injury, I might go over, but yeah, man, with no Vic in that roster, I just don't see how there are 16 games over 500 when it's all said and done. Yeah. I, so 16 games over 500. Yeah. Um, it's hard to tank defense. It's hard to it's hard to lose. It's hard to have bad games when you're this good defensively. Defense is always a saver, right? The ball might not go in the hoop every now and then, but if you're playing good defense and you can do that, point. hang your hat on that night in and night out, especially in the East, because you're not you're not going against the you're not going back to back Lakers, Celt or later Lakers, uh, Blazers, Warriors. Uh, Clippers, you know, those guys can all fill it up. You're not going back to back on that. That's You're true. hanging your hat on the defensive end against teams that aren't that good offensively. Um, I just don't see another team taking those wins from them, honestly, in the East. I don't see it. Okay. There's you not like, You team. like them at 49 wins. I, I'm going to take 49. Think, there's there's just not another team that can take those wins from them unless it's the Bucks, unless you're going to have the Bucks win 65 or something, you know? Well, we'll get there, but I just I think like a, a, a 46 and 36 is not a bad season. Yeah. I think that's about how many games they won last year. So I just, that number is, is just something I would go under. And that's one of the. You convinced me. I'm giving the wins to the Bucks. Uh, I'm going under. I'm going, um, I'm going 45. You that's me. one of the few, one of the few numbers we've done on here that I think I would actually, you know, feel confident enough to put, put a good amount of money on. I, I really think that Pacers team is good but gonna go under that um we'll, we'll see though we'll see you know how, how quickly they get Vic back if he comes back 10 to 15 games uh, you know they'll be in better shape but no timetable not optimistic yeah that's at least Christmas no timetable yeah least. that that's a euphemism for saying he's not gonna be back till Christmas I, I'm kind I'm kind of with you there right. um, so that brings us to your your Bucks, I guess. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's your Pistons now, man. I don't know. I'm getting some mixed signals over here. You know, you just you broke up with the Thunder because they're only going to win 30 games. So now you got to go pick one of these Eastern Conference teams to fall in love with. But man, the Bucks are all set to, I think, to be the best team in the NBA for the regular season, at least. Yeah. Um, to be fair, Thunder still have my heart, but I need a team to disappoint me. Right? Thunder aren't okay. going to disappoint me this year. Um, Blake's got a little bit of work to do to take my my man crush from Giannis. So Bucks are still my break my heart team, and okay. I have them losing in game seven to a Curry game winner of the finals, of the NBA finals. That's how it's going to go down. Um, <laughs> and he's just going to take his jersey off, and he's going to have a Kevin Durant jersey on underneath. <laughs> he's going to go and uh, wife up Giannis's girlfriend on the sideline right there immediately. <laughs> um, so I, um, I'm going over here. I'm I'd be pretty – 57 is high, dude. Um, really high. But in the East, I think they can win 60. I do too. I think they're, they're going to split. I will give I, – actually, I think they're going to three-game the Sixers, but I will give you a split with the Sixers. I can't imagine them losing more than one game to any other team in the East. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's certainly teams that they're just not going to lose to, right? Like, yeah, and dude, this team – they were trying to get Giannis to rest last year when they had the number one 
overall seed locked up. And he was saying no. Yeah, he played 72 games still. This dude, yeah, he's trying to kill everyone. Like, and he's going to do it again this year. He's He comes out and he's he's the Kobe. He's, I don't want to beat you. I want to destroy you and embarrass you, you know? He wants to suck the life out of you. And, yeah. you know, he he is, I think, going to be the MVP again this year, most likely. I mean, we've talked about it, him or Steph. I really want to see him add that jump shot to his game, but you talked about it a few episodes ago. He he was shot 25% from three in FIBA, and it's like until he adds that layer to his game, I hate to say that the championship rests on that, but I kind of feel like it does. If Giannis can't get a jump shot at some point, whether it's the Eastern Conference Finals, whether it's the NBA Finals, that's going to prove to be an issue because you don't have enough players on this team that can isolate and get their own bucket. Yeah. I just don't think Chris Middleton is going to be – I don't know if I think Chris Middleton can be the second best player on an NBA champion. I would I would normally say that's tough. But we talked about it previously. It's hard. You, you can't win without two superstars on a team unless one of them is transcendent all-generation player. That is true. That does feed into what I just said, actually. And I think Chris Middleton might be top 25-ish. Yeah, and Giannis is a transcendent all-generation player. Yeah. Giannis is the next LeBron James. Um, I mean, I think he's already there, really. Yeah, so he's he's the – like, you knew that LeBron was – was as soon as Kobe started to drop, even before that, dude, you knew that it was LeBron. You know it's this guy now, you know? And what's crazy is that he flies in the face of everything that the NBA is now. Like the NBA is all about spreading the floor and uh, and knocking down threes. Like look at Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, like all these top five, top six players. Even LeBron shot like 37% from on Reddit. They call it the fuck you range, which is like whenever he's wet, like beyond 35 feet, he, he right. shot 37% from the, from the three point line from there. Um, even LeBron has turned his, turned his game into that. This guy transcends that and he's so flipping good that he doesn't have to play to the NBA's prototype. Do you think that's not going to be an issue or not catch up to him? Because I, I do. I think if he doesn't add the shot to his game, he's not going to go down as an all-time great. I think he's going down as an all-time great. Like if you took – if you anytime you win an MVP, you're going down as an all-time great. You're, you're in the Hall of Fame if you win an MVP. You're in the Hall of Fame, but, I mean, dude, we're talking about you, – you, there's some bad players in the Hall of Fame. Sure. Like, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, Antoine yeah, Jameson is probably going to get in. Like, stuff like that where it's like – is Russ an all-time great? I think Russ is a great player. Is he an all-time great? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The I mean, triple-double triple double for me. three years. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess so. I guess if you win an MVP, you're an all-time great. I got to think about that. That might be fair. I got to um, go back and find my best argument for you. I'm sure there's a good one. I bet the, I bet there is. I mean, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Like, I don't – he's – if he does – Let's say that he finishes his entire career with 27-12, what he did last year. He finishes every single year during his prime. He's got another five years, six years, at just 27-12. and 12. That's an all-time great. He doesn't have to add a three for that. He's already there. Okay. That's fair. Okay. I'm with you that's, there. As he a matter of fact, that's a transcendent generational player, a 27-12 yes, and 12 for five to, six, five to six years. I'll go back to my original thesis then. He will not win a championship unless he adds a jump shot to his game because that's the only thing that's going to – take his with this current roster that's the only thing that's going to 
allow them to win a seven-game series, I think, against the team out of the Western Conference because at some point they're just going to put the clamps down on Giannis and say, all right, Eric Bledsoe and Wes Matthews and George Hill, you go beat us. And, oh, they got they got both. The, I forgot they signed Robin Lopez. Uh, I told you they're secret weapon for next year, right? What Are they just going to have – they're just going to make them look the exact same, like yeah. shave his head and have Robin stand out there. They'll make him wear number 24 and 42, and they'll, you'll have to take a split second to know whether he's your close out or back off this guy. Yeah, going to drop 40. Isn't it strange how similar they obviously look as twins and they have the exact same frame? And Robin Lopez literally misses dunks and cannot like do a layup line. And Brooke <laughs> just all of a sudden was like, I'm going to start pulling from 30. How's that sound? Yeah. And Brooke's so putting the ball how different their games and are. doing Euro steps on other bigs. Like, dude, yeah, Brooke has, Brooke has really changed his game. But um, I, I, there's the two players in the league that have the most gravity on them at any given time are Giannis and Steph Curry. Um, I, th- I think Harden has creeped into that. But yeah, I'm with I you. would. I would say that except for Houston does such a good job of that's shoving true. their that's shooters down and isolating Harden at the, the top. Corners, it's yeah. like you can't really have – but everywhere that Curry runs, like there's just another person just sticking on him. Everywhere that Giannis five, runs. And all five – or all ten eyes from all five players are on him. Yeah, exactly. And Harden has that to an extent. But I just think that these two separate themselves for the amount of gravity. Yeah. Um. So I think that – honestly, I still – this is going to be crazy and I want you to stick with me here. I still think that they had a better team last year than the Raptors did. But I think that Coach Bud never put Giannis in a good situation to to change what, what the Raptors were doing against him. And we talked about it last year during the playoffs. Coach Bud has a history of having these great regular season teams and rolling out these teams that are great and then getting into a seven-game series with a team that's as good or close to as good as them and going, I don't know what to do anymore, you know, and not making adjustments. And he did that against the Raptors. They The Raptors – so the Celtics, quote unquote, built the wall against Giannis, but it was smaller than the Raptors was, you know, and we talked about it. Giannis just needs to be passing the ball just a split second sooner because he would dribble into this wall and then try to pass the ball and he'd turn it over because he'd go, holy cow, Kawhi has a seven foot 10 wingspan. Siakam has a seven foot 10 wingspan. We've got over 500 feet of just arms here, you know. Right. Um, I think that this team right here as it's built, if Bud – I think this team could win a championship as long as Bud can do some good coaching in a seven-game series. Yeah, Nick Nurse outcoached Bud in that series. That was, you know, that's part of it. But right. I do think that Kawhi got into a zone as LeBron did the year before. Where I'm not saying he's better than Giannis, but he was the best player in that series. Giannis played well, but Kawhi just went. It's one of those things where it is, this is why I want Giannis to develop that jump shot is because when it when it, I know you want to make a point here, but when it came down to like seven minutes in the fourth, three minutes in the fourth, and it was a one possession, two possession game, and it's like you need an ISO bucket, like Kawhi went and got it, like I felt like 70% of the time. Yeah, and that's – so that is because Kawhi – a good creator? No, I was, I was going to say that's because – Ka- yeah, because Kawhi doesn't pass. No, that's because Kawhi has so much more in his offensive repertoire. Like you could say – it's like Shaq versus MJ. Like MJ has can score from anywhere. Shaq can score from about 15 feet in. Giannis can score from about 15 feet in. Kawhi mm-hmm. can score from anywhere. Bud needed to do a better job of having back picks on Giannis and giving him a little bit better of a chance to pin his guy underneath the rim. Because, dude, if Giannis pins anybody underneath the rim, he's jamming on him. Like, I don't – he did it to Embiid multiple times dude, last that year. Was, that was when I really was like, holy shit. 
Giannis is Josh really is strong. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird because Giannis doesn't he looks like ripped, but not like strong really, because he's so thin. But dude, that dude's just pure muscle because he just put his shoulder into Embiid and he moved a large human being backwards and just yeah. jumped on him like and four times. And I was like, what the just happened? Yeah. So I if I'm like this is the most basic play, and I know that if I if I drew it up two times, then the other other coach, whoever it is, Nick Nurse would ha- already have a plan for it, and he'd implement it within two plays. But a flex screen is where you have Giannis at the short corner, set a screen on him, and have him run across the freaking middle of the lane, and then just sit underneath the rim, and they pass it to him, and that split screen gets you a split second to be able to shove your butt into that defender that's recovering and then just j- dunk on him. Like It's just so simple, and Bud didn't run. I didn't see one even attempt at a flex screen the entire series just to get Giannis a better shot than having to dribble into 500 people. It's true. Yeah, like gonna- I just, I just didn't see enough. It was like, and I don't know if it was a, we have somebody that's so superhuman that I don't even need to draw plays for him. It was the same. It was the Scott Brooks situation all over again, where you go, dude, I get that Kevin Durant is transcend transcendental. I get that he's one of the greatest offensive scorers all the time, but you've got to help him out when he's struggling. You've got to have, you've got to draw up something that gets people rotating at him. Well, for Giannis, you've got to draw up something where he can pin somebody deep, you know, because rotating at Giannis, he doesn't really have the ability to knock down a three and then, and uh, you know, and drive off of that. Just get him where he can set up with somebody deep, but they were running the stuff from the top of the key for him. They were running him dribbling in. It was just, it wasn't good. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something that over the course of the summer that Bud is going to come to realize and that they're going to be able to make those changes because, like I said, I don't think they're going to get to where they want to be, and that's an NBA championship, without making those adjustments. And if you don't win at least one ring with Giannis, you're going to go back and look at this as a failure. Absolutely. For sure, yeah. Especially with the roster they've constructed around him. And I feel like this roster is is kind of built for him. Um, It is. You know, that, that being said, 57 is the number Vegas gives us. You go over. I go over. I think you go over a little higher than me. I'm going to put him right at 58 because I I forget the number. I think I said 58 also. I'm going to switch that to 59 for the Sixers. I got the Sixers finishing as the one seed and okay. the Bucks is the two seed. In the I don't East. have a problem with that. By a hair. I don't have a problem with that. How many games do you see the Bucks winning next year? 60. I think, I, think, I think they'll come out and win 60. I mean, they did it this year. There's no reason they can't do it again. Yeah, they lost Brogdon, but honestly, they I, I think Giannis is going to be even better this year, regardless of whether he adds a three or not. Um, I do too. And, and then, I mean, they added Kyle the, Korver, who's another knockdown three. Korver, George Hill, Wes Matthews got enough guys at that, at that kind of two slot, one, two, three slot to uh, to make up for Brogdon. So, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I think the, the Bucks are poised for another big run uh, with just a few teams in their way. And it's going to wrap up the uh, the Central Division. I really, uh, really like some of the t- the young talent in that division. Be interesting to see if Giannis can make these changes that we're talking about. Uh, we'll be back next Friday, Josh. Got the Southeast Division. Uh, Save the the worst for last. I think on this one, it'll be it'll be <laughs> fun. I don't know if we're going to have any, you know, above five hundred teams there, but certainly still some things we want to break down and talk about their future. Uh, but can't wait to do it next week with you, man. All right, see you, man. Later.